I'm Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Marty Harding. And welcome back to another episode of Animation and Beyond. Yes, and on this episode, we're talking about another interesting subject, fictional places from animated films. That's right. We're going to focus on the settings of animated movies today, which you might not notice because they are not the main part of a movie, but they are critical to the plot of any movie and to the characters in them. Yeah, that's right. So before we get into that feature presentation, though, we're going to answer last week's trivia question. Yeah, the trivia question was, what recurring voice guest actor on The Simpsons inspired one of the characters in Futurama? Who was it? It was the late Bill Hartman, who voiced several recurring characters on The Simpsons from the early classic seasons, such as such as Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz. Interesting. So he was a multifaceted guest actor. Until his tragic, he was a recurring guest until his tragic death in 1998. But his legacy lived on in this character in Futurama, right? Yes, as Zach Brannigan, who who was going to voice him, but unfortunately he tragically died. And then Billy West, who's voiced several other characters on the show, such as Fry, ended up voicing him instead. Interesting. And he kind of looked like Troy McClure a little. Oh, that's fun. That's always cool when the animated character resembles the voice actor. It might make their voice more believable, don't you think? Yeah. All right, so there is your answer to last week's trivia question. And next up, we are going to do a new segment, one in which we turn the tables a little bit, because usually during trivia, Ezra is the one with the answers. However, in this segment, we're going to switch it up, and Ezra is going to be guessing the answers to the hints that I'm going to throw at him. And these hints are going to be for real places in the world, because today is setting-themed. These are going to be real locations that might not be the setting of a movie, but they might be related to the setting of a movie. So I'm going to list some aspects of a real-world location, and Ezra, you're going to guess the location. They're all cities. Sound good? Yes. Ready to go? Yeah. Okay. The first one is this city is the capital of the country it is in. It has a river running through the middle of it, over which are 37 bridges and footbridges. And this city is also the setting of multiple novels by author Victor Hugo, one of which was adapted into an animated film we discussed last week in our episode. That's Paris. Nice job. Did you get it out there in the audience? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Number two. That might have been a little easy. This one's more difficult, Ezra. So get ready. This city is strongly associated with famous musical acts, including, but not limited to, the Beatles. This city is a large port city, and it's the home base for many ocean liners and cruise ships. And this city's name was parodied as the hometown of the main character in a 2007 animated film about surfing. Um, New York City? No. Uh, London? Not quite. Mm. Focus on that last hint. Its name was parodied as the hometown 
of the main character in a 2007 animated film about surfing? Liverpool. Yes. Nice job, Ezra. Do you remember what that hometown was? Shiverpool, where the main character Cody Maverick came from. <laughs> exactly. I thought that was a good play on the name. Yeah. Though Shiverpool was located in Antarctica, if I remember correctly, and Liverpool is in England. Yes. All right. Number three, and the most difficult one. Hmm. This city is also the capital of the country it's in. It is the city that is closest to the location that inspired the setting of the Lion King animated movie. It is also the birthplace of an actor who had large roles in Twilight, in the Twilight films, the X-Men, and he voiced a guest character named Iggy on Phineas and Ferb. Hmm. Kenya? Egypt? Kenya's correct. What's the city? What's the capital of Kenya? Hmm. The capital is Nairobi. Nairobi, that's right. Nice job, Ezra. That's a tricky one. Yeah, so the the setting of Lion King was based on a park called Hell's Gate, and Nairobi is the closest big city to that park. I get it. Cool. Well, nice job, Ezra. That was really good. Those were tricky locations to guess. Yeah. Sweet. Shall we move on to our feature presentation? Yes. Wonderful. <laughs> so to start us off, Ezra, what is the first setting of an animated movie that we are going to talk about today? Hmm. Arendelle from Frozen. Arendelle from Frozen. Great choice. Anyone who's seen Frozen will be familiar with Arendelle because there are a lot of sweeping shots of the city in that movie where you get to really see the setting, huh? Yeah. What do you remember being a cool feature of Arendelle, Ezra? That the castle was literally on a little island in the center of the water. Yeah, and that that water kind of served as the center point for the whole city. Yeah. What what made Arendelle special and unique from other fictional locations? Uh, well, first of all, what's Elsa's power? Ice. We don't see that superpower in many settings. No. The whole relationship between Arendelle and Winter is really unique. Yes, the whole plot of Frozen was when Elsa's power accidentally unleashes an eternal winter. Yes. What's the relationship between Arendelle and Winter prior to that? It takes place somewhere in Scandinavia. And what makes you think that? Because of the culture of the film. Like what? How people are dressed. Maybe a, a little bit of the dancing that we see in the film. For me, that reminded me of, you know, celebratory traditions in those Nordic countries. Yeah. And the way that the mountains in that movie are huge, right? Yeah. And how the names of the characters, like Kristoff, Sven, Olaf, Hans, like Hans, Christian, Andersen, like some of the names of the characters were named after uh, Hans Christian Andersen, who wrote the story The Snow Queen, which Frozen is based on. That's right. Yeah, that's a great connection to make. So all these little things are kind of pointing us towards a real life location that we can 
hold as a frame of reference for that setting. Yeah. That setting reminds me of another really dramatic, powerful city in which there's royalty and drama with the royalty, and that is the setting of Tangled. Yeah, the Kingdom of Corona, which it was referred to that in the in the show, though, but in the film, it was just referred to as the kingdom. That's right. But do you agree that those two kingdoms had similar aesthetics in terms of the lake? Yes, and it's an interesting theory that Elsa, Anna, and Rapunzel are related. Because if in the during the first time in Forever number in Frozen, if you look closely, you can see a cameo of Rapunzel and Eugene. No way. Yeah. Interesting. So maybe the Kingdom of Corona and Arendelle are in the same country or something like that. Tangled most likely takes place in Germany. Gotcha. So maybe the same continent then. Definitely most likely in Europe. Cool. All right. So we've got Arendelle, the dramatic, magical, lush, Nordic-based kingdom. What's next? Agrabah from Aladdin. And where do you think that is based on? Somewhere in the Middle East, maybe Saudi Arabia or maybe Syria or somewhere. And what makes you think that, Ezra? Because of the way people are dressed and... and... Mm-hmm. And for me, a big contributing factor to that impression is, you know, the shape of the buildings in Agrabah. Yeah. I lived in Morocco for four months, and the, the way that mosques and mosque doors are often shaped is rounded in the same way that you see a lot of the entrances in Agrabah. Yeah, so it could take place somewhere in Morocco, maybe in Turkey or Lebanon. And... Totally possible. And so what makes Agrabah unique and different from the other fictional locations? It's It takes place somewhere in the desert. And uh, it, there's a city and there are like peddler people and there's markets. And another unique aspect, similar to what you were describing about markets, is that I feel like the townspeople are out and about a lot more in Agrabah. We see the people Whereas in these other films, like in Tangled or Frozen, we don't really see the townspeople as much until the big celebration at the end. I know. And also J the villain, Jafar, his name is also like Arabic or Farsi. Yeah, it could be. Cool. Anything else that stands out to you about Agrabah? That it's city of hope and mystery and magic as the peddler in the beginning of the film said. It's true. All right. And what's another location? Uh, Monstropolis from Monsters, Inc. That's right. So a big swing in a different direction from Agrabah. Monstropolis is a huge metropolis that houses Monsters Incorporated. Yeah, like where monsters of all shapes, sizes, and colors reside. And where Sully and Mike live. And some monsters are blue, some are green, some are pink, some are purple, and some have one eye, some have two or three, some have tentacles, some have wings. 
That's right. Monstropolis really does mimic real cities in that it's a very diverse place. It's where you find a hub of a lot of different kinds of monsters, just like a lot of different kinds of people gather in cities today. Like it could be like Chicago, San Francisco, or maybe New York. That's right. And yeah, why do you think any of those big cities as opposed to a smaller city? Because they look like populated big cities in the country or around the world, but where monsters and unusual creatures live. Yeah. And I'm thinking of this aerial shot that we get of Monstropolis, where you can see Monsters Incorporated, and then you see all of the buildings around it. That shot almost reminded me of Studio City Los Angeles, which is another really big, highly populated city. Yeah, I know. The way that those buildings are all crammed together in order to house the high population of the city. That's a good example. I know another good fictional location from a Pix- from Pixar that's a good one. Radiator Springs from the Cars u- universe. That's right. Another really different setting. Man, Pixar is so creative, aren't they? Radiator Springs is a small town somewhere in the Southwest where Mater, along with Lightning McQueen and all their friends live. And it's known for unique shops such as Flo's VA Cafe, Ramon's House of Body Art, and Luigi's um, Casadella Tires. And similar to how it is in small towns across the United States and in many places, it appears that all those businesses are really small. All the owners know each other. They utilize each other. They're friendly with each other. It has a very, very small town atmosphere. I know. In fact, one of my favorite scenes from that whole movie, Ezra, is the scene where they finally pave the main strip of the town and everyone comes out onto the strip and drives up and down the strip together. Do you remember that scene? Yes. Yeah, and I remember when Lightning and Sally take a drive, which is a very beautiful scene. That scene where Sally and Lightning McQueen go for a drive and see all of those rock formations, that's how we are kind of able to locate Radiator Springs as being in the Southwest. Like for me, I see that red rock and the desert climate and think, oh, this could be Nevada or Arizona or Utah, somewhere where they have a lot of dusty, dry, red, orange coloring and beautiful sunsets, just like they watch in that movie. I know, yeah. And it was also revealed at the end of the film when Lightning, who now resides in Radiator Springs, had built his racing headquarters. That's right. Have you ever been in a town in the country, Ezra, that you think reminded you of Radiator Springs? Yes, like times like in Arizona or in Utah when I would take road trips and I thought they they really reminded me of Radiator Springs from cars. What about them reminded you? The way the buildings were built and there was an old-fashioned gas station just like Blows. Yeah, yeah. And there, I remember San Francisco from Big Hero 6, which is a hybrid of Tokyo, Japan, and San Francisco. Yeah, so that's an interesting one because that one's not entirely made up. They were clearly referencing two real-life cities. But it was fictional because it's a combination of both. Exactly. And unfortunately, there is no way to actually combine the cities of San Francisco and Tokyo. I know. They were just being creative. I know. And what parts of San Francisco indicated to you that they were a mashup? When Hero and Baymax were flying through the city, they we see the bridge and it looks supposed to look like the Golden Gate Bridge. And the buildings like that were in the city looked like San Francisco and many of the buildings like 
that were high tech with like the jumbotrons look like Tokyo. That's right. And I live in San Francisco and I will say that we really don't have the jumbotrons portrayed in that movie. So that's definitely a contribution of Tokyo. Yeah. And I also remember Game Central Station from Wreck-It Ralph and its sequel, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah, that's another one that's explicitly based on a real-life location, which is Grand Central Station in New York City. That's right, that's right. And Game Central Station, it takes place in an outlet. And it has... And I remember the security was the surge protector who appears in both movies. What were they trying to do by making Game Central Station? What what purpose did that setting serve in the movie? Uh, where characters from games go from one game to another. Yeah. And so it almost kind of allowed the plot of the movie to happen, wouldn't you say? Yes. I know, like, when Ralph goes missing, that was part of the main problem of the movie. Exactly. If they didn't have this one place where there were so many different openings to games, it would have been a totally different story trying to find Ralph. So Game Central Station really was critical to the plot of Wreck-It Ralph. I know, yeah. I know another good example of a fictional location, Paradise Falls from Up. Yeah, that's right. It's supposed to be like representation of real life like ancient ruins from like somewhere in South America, like Peru, Chile, Cuba. Perhaps like Machu Picchu. Yeah, it was that lost world that Carl, ever since he was a little boy, along with his late wife Ellie, have dreamed of going to. Yeah, so that's its critical contribution to plot points. And Paradise Falls isn't necessarily the setting of Up. But it's just part of like the film, though. But yeah, Paradise Falls is more of the um, elusive destination for the characters as opposed to the foundational sort of setting like Game Central Station is. Like it's a representation of like real like jungles or like areas with lost cities that that people roamed thousands of years ago. Yeah, it kind of holds the mystery for the characters. Yeah. Also, I know some good locations from non-Disney movies. Okay. Like the Kingdom of Far, Far Away from the Shrek movies, where, you know, it had, it was supposed to look like Hollywood, but for fairy tales. That's right. You can see Far, Far Away on the hillside, just like Hollywood is in, is on the hillside in giant letters. And there was a bonus on the, originally on the Shrek two DVD called Far Far Away Idol, parodying American Idol. Oh, cool. And American Idol is filmed in Los Angeles. I know, and it was supposed to be a parody of that. I remember there were also like parodies of real life things they had in Far Far Away, like Burger Prince parodying Burger King, I remember. I feel like they took this idea of Far Far Away is Hollywood, but for fairy tale characters. And just ran with it, you know? Having one place that things are actually based off of appears to make it really easy to then mimic all these things about this place, as opposed to just coming up with stuff from scratch. I know, yeah. Exactly. All right, shall we talk about one more? Yeah. Bikini Bottom from SpongeBob. Great choice. 
it's a fictional city underwater where SpongeBob and his friends live. It's the home of the Krusty Krab, the restaurant known for those delicious Krabby Patties. Mm-hmm. And it's where SpongeBob lives, where he works at the Krusty Krab, goes jellyfishing, and it's home for a lot of things. It is. That series went on forever, and it always took place in Bikini Bottom. I know. So what's one thing that you notice about all of these fictional locations, Ezra? Some are based are made from scratch, and some are just have inspiration from real places. Why do you think that the creators of animated films in Pixar, Disney, or, you know, Dr. Seuss... Why do you think or DreamWorks they, or whatever or DreamWorks or whatever? Why do you think the the makers of these films chose to have a fictional location as opposed to a real life location? Because they just they like making up their own fictionalized worlds. What does it allow the characters to do? Do the things like real life people do. Exactly, which gives them an element of familiarity so perhaps the audience, because we're all human, can connect with them. Yeah, that's right. So you saw recognizable attributes of the settings in addition to recognizing the parts that were magical, fantastical, or just completely made up altogether. Yeah, and I like how the animators, and because I have a bunch of those art of books, which shows us how they created them in the first place by getting inspiration and research from real places yeah one last question Ezra if you were to have breakfast lunch and dinner in each of one place what would you pick maybe breakfast radiator springs has like a good cafe and bikini bottom has the crusty crab and monstropolis has hairy housings that's right so maybe Breakfast in Radiator Springs, lunch in Bikini Bottom, and dinner in Monstropolis? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. That sounds like a great lineup. Awesome. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our feature presentation for today. Great discussion about the settings of animated movies, Ezra. Yeah. Now let's move on to this week's trivia question. What is the name of the galactic cruise ship in Wally? We will let you know next week on the next episode of Animation Beyond. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Just so you know, we will be skipping an episode next week due to the Thanksgiving holiday. Also, some of the music in this episode we acquired courtesy of bensound.com.